When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate you call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people. If they can become something more. Like the battles that we never could. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast devoted to discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I am joined by my co-host and good friend, Chris Ruffett. Chris, how are you doing today? Couldn't be any better, Jesse, with all these excellent reveals. It's a good day to be an MCP player. Not only an MCP player, but a Marvel Universe fan, which Chris and I both are massive fans. And this was a good weekend, Chris. And of course, we're breaking format. We're not doing a character deep dive today. We are not doing, you know, some deep lore and strategy talk, even though, you know, it might come up organically, which I think will be fun. We're doing something different for us, which is we're doing something we haven't done since Gen Con, which is talking about all the reveals from this past weekend. So when I refer to the past weekend, that, of course, is the Atomic Mass Games Mini Stravaganza Mini Con, which was great, Chris. I'm looking forward to this next year if they do it again, because what a great way to give us an appetizer for Gen Con. It was kind of a small Gen Con, like you alluded to, but and of course, we all remember last year's Gen Con, Atomic Mass owned last year's Gen Con, and this little uh, just online mini con really kind of got me fired up for a uh, summer summer board game season. Well, absolutely, Chris, and you know, in mentioning Gen Con, we obviously had to draw parallels between these two, and AMG did as much as they did at Gen Con. They just didn't do it during Gen Con time. So in a weird way, if they continue these in the future, which I really hope they do, because I think it was a massive success. We're going to have like two, three-day cons a year for AMG with these dev panels, with these painting panels, with these art panels, with all these character model and card reveals. And I'm here for it, man, because now they, of course, have the Star Wars license as well. And they even added all that content in this weekend as well. So in a weird way, they did as much or more content than they did the weekend of Gen Con. Just Gen Con, they revealed so many things because they were essentially broadcasting. This is everything that's coming out between now and, you know, the beginning of the next year. And this was kind of our, this is what's coming out after the wave everyone's super excited about, which of course the X-Force wave. This is what's coming out after that till we make some Gen Con announcements, I'm assuming. And I think that's just great because this is so exciting. We get to experience all this until Gen Con and they're going to start it up again for us. And if Gen Con is anything close to being as good as 
this is it's going to be awesome. I agree. I cannot wait for what they would reveal at Gen Con because let's just get the obvious out of the way, Chris. If anyone's been following our podcast for almost 60 episodes now, it is the fact that I am a Spider-Man and a Spider-Villains mega fan, especially the Spider-Man villains. They're my personal favorite villains of the Marvel Universe. And I was not expecting this at all. I was not expecting to have a weekend basically themed around the Spider-Man villains and heroes. I'm very happy as we got a character I was looking forward to very much. We got a sculpt that has made me look forward to a character very much. And then we got a character I didn't realize I was looking forward to until I saw it. So very, very fun. We're going to get into all this in a moment, but obviously the spider foes or the Sinister Six or the Spider-Man villains were the focus of the weekend as in the, you know, the main thing. But AMG did exactly what they did Gen Con last year. They gave us little spoilers of other characters and things coming to the game on the side that actually weren't even related to this, which I was super excited about as well. They did that really successfully with Gen Con last year where it's like all this awesome X-Men content, announcements, models, sculpts, videos, etc. And then we have all these interesting panels and then just randomly have like an art panel where they announced Luke Cage and Iron Fist and show their art. And then of course announced they're coming to the game in the future, which now we know for us is May, 2021 very soon. So it's just cool that they can like even throw in other future content. That's obviously further out, but just kind of get people thinking about it and excited about it. And I'm here for all that. Oh, me too. And I'm just at this point, how can they even top themselves at this point? I'm wondering What's going to be next? They just keep topping themselves. Even if the characters aren't very kind of out of left field or a surprise, the sculpts are amazing. Not to mention the cards and some of the routes they're going with some of these characters. Right. As in the few that they gave us this weekend truly made my jaw drop. Doing completely new dynamic things in the game, taking risks, making characters that we know so well dynamically different in this format that we call Marvel Christ Protocol on the tabletop. So we're about to get into all that. We just wanted to talk about our excitement up front. You know, and Chris, I think it's going to be another fun episode because I would say our Gen Con episode is one of our most successful episodes. People really enjoyed it. And you and I had a blast because kind of got to new our normal show format where we talk about things that we're really excited about, but we got to kind of spread it all around. We also got to throw lore and strategy all over the place. So just bear with us as we do it this very organically. We're just going to go through all the announcements in order, and we're just going to talk about what it we think it means to us on, you know, what Fury's Finest is, the lore, fun, and strategy side of this great game. So I think we just got to get into it, Chris. But before that, we got some business to attend to. <laughs> Fury's Finest is sponsored by Discount Games, Inc. Go to DiscountGamesInc.com for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol and miniature gaming needs. Of course, our patrons support Fury's Finest at Patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoy this show, consider supporting us with a monthly contribution. We thank all of our patrons for their support. You guys are making the show continue. You guys are helping us keep the lights on and pursue further endeavors. This week is a very special thank you. To rambles and preamble, we sure do appreciate your patronage. Man, Chris, another interesting name. We had Rock and Hard Place. I just love it. I love the creative patrons out there. It's fun stuff. And of course, we can never forget to thank our Avenger producer, Matthew R. So if you would like to have your name read on the show and get some of our perks like our Discord access to some of our behind the scenes content and be first in line for future content consider joining our patreon supporting the show and also getting some perks for yourself if you wanted to have your name read every week check out the producer tier as well but chris i think we just got to get into all of this exciting exciting news 
Okay, Chris. So of course, let's just start right at the top with one of the most bombastic, exciting first things we got of the weekend, which was a new MCP video. I really love these videos for Marvel Christ Protocol, Chris. You and I have talked about how effective we thought the X-Men and Deadpool and X-Force trailer were. And I'm really happy that AMG is, has continued to make these. I think they're a really effective way to not only start the hype for the weekend in particular, but also just maybe get the content out to people who might not even know what Marvel Christ Protocol is, but they watch that really really fun Deadpool video or the absolutely exciting X-Men 90s themed video. And then of course, now we have a spider foes or sinister six, or you could look at on the positive side, web warrior, spider people team video. It's very cool. They're, they're kind of amassing, you know, these videos for each wave. It's kind of a, a, a very fun way to show off what's coming down the line. And it gets me very excited I may have audibly whooped at uh, the Craven reveal. I was about to ask, were you in your seat when Craven came onto the video? Because that was a nice reveal. And I thought it was cool too, Chris. The start of the video, we had the original Spider Foes, and then we kind of, the video led into the new Spider Foes. Oh, yeah. And I think it's kind of funny the way they kind of used Dr. Octopus in, in that video kind of almost poking fun at the fact that he's kind of a very outdated character now and his outdated pal Spider-Man has been updated. That's funny. So kind of an interesting thing. Right. But I mean, I just thought the setup thematically, of course, is just super fun that we have Green Goblin, Kingpin, and Dr. Octopus. And we've always talked about my love of the Spider-Foes team and how they just need one or two more models and they'll be there. They'll be there as a fully fledged faction in the game. They're one of the only factions that aren't fully there. Maybe just the way you want them to be. You can play them right now, but you have to kind of jump through some hoops. Not the case anymore, Chris, because everyone in this video that I'm aware of is a Spider-Foe or a Web Warrior. And what's exciting about that is just means we have more options for the web warriors one of my favorite teams and the spider foes which i keep saying over and over again i want to make my main villain team and i can do that now which is really exciting so you know we start the video with goblin kingpin octopus and venom but then of course we go into our new spider foes where we have lizard and craven the hunter in a box which is very exciting and then we have mysterio and carnage in a box which is also very exciting and then they really bring the big curveball at the end as chris alluded to the new amazing spider-man and black cat in a box fleshing out the web warriors and of course we also know that black cat is a criminal syndicate member so you're going to get your money's worth out of her of course but what do you just think about all these characters chris well, it's very exciting and it's very evocative of the Spider-Man cartoon that I kind of was raised on in a way. So it's very cool. I think the Black Cat model is insane. It's I good. didn't realize how excited I would be for that Black Cat model until in the video panned down to the left and showed her off kind of mid-flip out of nowhere. Very, very cool. But as far as the teams go, I'm very interested to see... Craven's card, of course. I think he's going to be weird and wild. Right. Carnage and Mysterio are both very, very interesting. Great sculpts. Also weird and wild. Uh, yeah, wacky and wild with the the weird defenses. Very. I'm just very excited. I, I don't even know where to start. Right. And we'll get to Carnage and Mysterio at the end of the show because I have a lot of thoughts on their cards on a quick pass of strategy on them. But yeah, I just, the models alone, Chris, for me, the model that won the weekend, you know, and a lot of people know some of my favorite characters and villains are in this video of all time. 
And I'm going to throw a curveball here. I think the model that won the weekend for me is this lizard model. It is insane. And it is massive. They showed him on one of the streams next to the corset Peter Parker. He dwarfs the corset Peter Parker. It's absolutely insane. And then you have him bursting out of the sewer with the water shooting out, which of course, if anyone's followed our Instagram or Facebook page and seen my Venom, people will see I rebased my Venom on a sewer in a similar fashion. So I'm actually really happy about that too, Chris, that I've kind of got some synergy between my bases with my lizard and venom, which works out really nice. But yeah, man, like I think he won the weekend for me. That sculpt is nuts. It's such a cool model that I'm kind of thinking that one might get painted professionally for me. I don't know. Yeah, that's definitely gonna be the case for me as well. On one of the streams with Will Schick, they put the corset Spider-Man, if you think of him, where he's on the beam low on the ground next to this lizard. And Spider-Man's head barely comes up to Lizard's foot. I I know Lizard's up in the air on the water, but he's also more than twice the size of the corset Spider-Man, like without the water. And I just find that absolutely stunning and amazing. And on top of that, he's on a medium-sized base. So let's talk about the bases. Carnage is on a medium-sized base, which was just something I really enjoyed. And then, of course, Mysterio and Kraven and Black Cat are on small bases. But Chris, the real head-turner is this new amazing Spider-Man is on a medium-sized base, and he's a long mover. It's just a crazy thing. I think I've already seen a reaction video saying that uh, the new ASM model is the best character in the game already. Yeah, that's probably from Ryan Farmer, our friend at Strike Better. I think so. But man, medium base, long mover, are you serious? That's that's also Spider-Man, right? And he has web swing and all kinds of stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so- <laughs> The mobility is crazy. Yeah, let's talk about this Spider-Man model. So he is swinging from a Daily Bugle radio tower, and there's an explosion happening at his feet. Really evocative. It goes really well with that Norman Osborn right, goblin. Say the same thing. That's throwing pumpkins from his hands, and he's flying on fire too. I think you're gonna have a nice like diorama on your table once all these are painted. These guys are not hanging out in foam. All the spider foes and all the web warriors are just going to start living on my desk when we record podcasts, when I work. They're all going to be right here. I'm just going to look at them because they're just such good models. They're so good. And the John Connors is just the creme de la creme, the coup de gras. Mm -hmm. It's too good. It's going to get professionally painted. It is going to go in my display case with some of my prized single issues of comics. Absolutely. Next to my computer. I'm very, very excited for it. So I want to pick out a couple details here that stand out to me, Chris. So obviously Lizard, his pants are completely shredded and ripped. Love that. Same with the shirt. He has the lab coat on. Wonderful. Black Cat, as you mentioned, is mid flip, which is incredible, off of a beam that is held down by webs. And she's also holding her whip. So we just got a lot of detail going on, you know, with what you would call a simple character, right? A simple costume. And then we have all this dynamic stuff going on. So moving on to Craven. Craven, of course, has the dagger and the spear. And he's on top of a broken down rock wall that says, danger, do not feed the animals on a plaque on it which is just a nice touch, a nice thematic, like pull together of everything. And I think he looks good, Chris. I think they did a really good job on his fur and, you know, of course his goatee and his hair. It's all very evocative of the classic character, right? And a really great pose for him. It's Craven the Hunter. He is leaping off of this rubble. He is hunting. He's perhaps, you know, coming down on his prey or chasing them down. I'm expecting a very cool power set 
and kit for this character. Yeah, my first thought would on him would be maybe we can have a cheaper Killmonger out there or something. I'm not sure, but I think him and Killmonger playing together would just be fun in different ways, too. Oh, man. Their models have some similarities visually, too. And you could really tie some things together if you're breaking the Spider-Foes mold with Craven. And I hope some people do. Now, Chris, I've got to talk about two of my favorite characters of all time. Carnage and Mysterio, and I was not let down by these models at all. So Carnage is very large because he's on a medium-sized base, and his symbiote tendrils are extending past the boundaries of the base up on the upper parts. But more importantly, his tendrils, he's doing the fast Carnage run with tendrils. His actual physical body is up in the air. And then, of course, man, he's got to have those claws fully out, and he does. And something I also like about this model, the black portions, if you think of Carnage's symbiote look, of course, he has the black raised portions on top of the red and white. The black portions of his symbiote self are raised which is going to be really nice for painting. It's going to make it a lot easier. But also that's a detail that they necessarily didn't have to do, but they did do. And all the while, like these tendrils, I said, are running across the ground. He's also tearing holes into the ground and there's rubble where the tendrils are going on the ground. So I don't think I could ask for more out of a carnage sculpt. It's like evocative of just him fitting in this game. It's a very good sculpt. The tendrils really do capture his frenetic, unhinged energy in a way, you know, Cassidy is a very troubled individual, and Absolutely. this Carnage sculpt's really kind of, if you know the character, you can really see that coming out. But Jesse, I've got to say, my second favorite sculpt of the weekend has got to be Mysterio. It's so good. The smoke he's rising out of is wonderfully evocative of his mysterious, you know, kind of fog. He's kind of coming out of nowhere, or it's a projection, or whatever his cape coming up on the fishbowl covering his face mm-hmm. looks great the proportions are wonderful it gives him a very unique silhouette mm. and then not to mention just his pose his floating he looks very strong at playing the part of the supervillain. very mysterio absolutely my favorite little detail chris is how you talked about he's coming out of the smoke and even some of the smoke is like rising up around his right arm as he's mm. out casting yes. a spell We've seen things like the smoke before that have been really beautiful and evocative. Like Chris talked about early on how the Hello sculpt was one of his favorite sculpts for that very reason. Same with the new Enchantress model. She's also coming out of the magic, the smoke. But the way they did Mysterio was different. The smoke was kind of like wrapping around his cape, wrapping around his legs, yes. wrapping around his arms, wrapping around the upper part of his back. It's a thicker feeling smoke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not just like he's coming out on a cloud or something. It's he he kind of just materialized, you know, and it's kind mm-hmm. of dissipating. Or he's rematerializing it again, as as we know he likes to do. And we'll be looking at his card at the end of the show. But yeah, Chris, I think the winners for me personally are Lizard and Mysterio. And of course, like you said, I'm in love with all these models, all the way down to Craven and Black Cat, who might not be as like overtly fantastic over the top and their sculpt, but they are a 100% these characters in the best version of these characters I could ever imagine the pose, you know? So am I happy? I'm very happy because one of my main factions is more fleshed out the web warriors and the faction I want to pursue the most in the game is fleshed out the spider foes and Chris, like, you know, the best part of MCP, these models are so good. I mean, just think about like all the what ifs and lore and all the, all the stories you can create where it's like, what does it look like with carnage and cabal? What does it look like with Mysterio on the defender? or something you know we've got a lot of thematic weird bendy things that marvel does all the time but we get to do it whenever we want mcp for fun 
That's really exciting. And I think these characters not only will be great in their teams, but hopefully great on all teams. You know, I think Craven the Hunter might be a great addition in interesting teams like maybe Cabal or Wakanda. Time will tell when we see his card. The best part about this game, time and time again, is if you put time into a model and you really love it, you really enjoy it, say this lizard is one of your new favorite models, you can make lizard work where you want him to work, right? You should be able to. We'll have to see the kit, but I imagine it's going to be very bruiser. It should be. And I'm I'm into that. But I just still can't handle this top of the sewer popping off. Oh, I know. And just the water behind him. And Gosh. The, the wonderful water effects allowing the model to be suspended in the air like that. Like he's he's popping out. It's he's crazy. Jumping out of the sewer with so much force. Just very impressive. I'm a big fan, Chris. And so many, so many good things. Also, they did reveal, this is part of what we saw maybe in the video, but they revealed at the end of the video, all the boxes. And there was one more box, been some time, but it was our next NYC terrain box, which was a New York City apartment building. So AMG's first foray into a full-fledged building, not a newspaper stand, not a coffee shop, not a car, not a dumpster, not sci-fi terrain, not a construction site for Fisk, a full-fledged building. So some people that didn't have buildings or didn't have access to a 3D printer or the means to make buildings, because it is a new step in hobbying that some people might not want to get into right away. I'm really happy that people can buy this building now and just assemble it, maybe prime it, give it a quick dry brush. There you go. You have an NYC apartment building to do your Web Warrior Spider Foes battles on. I'm kind of disappointed in you, Jesse, because we all know that that is Hawkeye's apartment building. That's actually quite true. That's where he lives. You can make it whatever you want, Chris. You know, we, we could do some interesting no. things here. No, it's Hawkeye. We always got to rip Hawkeye in this podcast. Yes. Man, I watched in, you know Endgame the other day again, and it's just oh, Jeremy Renner, man, as that version of Hawkeye, he just really stepped it up. Great Speaking job. Speaking of movies, <laughs> yeah. we have some things to talk about off stream. We do. That might be a patron episode. That's a long discussion there. Exciting things. But Chris, let's move on past these Spider Foes video and just move into some of the other reveals they did in the weekend before we get into cards. Interesting. They had an art panel. And in the art panel, they revealed two new characters that are coming in a box in the future. That's Jean Grey and Cassandra Nova. So what are the Chris thoughts on this? Because these are two pivotal characters of the X-Men universe and the mutant storylines. So they just kind of dropped that out there, did not see the models, didn't see the cards, just saw their art. Well, I'm going to say first and foremost, I've almost mentioned to you off stream how I hope they never bring Cassandra Nova into the game so I don't have to write that episode, but they did it and they (laughs) did it faster than I thought they would. So I'm kind of mad. Atomic Mass. I'm, no, but this is going to be really, really interesting. These are going to be the first real kind of psychic characters, I think. And and moreover, I think that Cassandra Nova is going to give us a very interesting look if we ever see a Professor X, what his kit will look like. They are two characters that are intertwined. They're twins. Spoiler alert. Very, very interesting I cannot wait to see what costume Jean Grey is in. I'm going to assume it's going to be the X-Men 92 to kind of keep with the theme, but they may surprise us. We'll see. Very exciting announcement. They kind of snuck that in. I also want to go on record as saying I think they're both going to be five threat characters. It's in record. We will note it in the 
booklet here and we'll return to this in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, I, I think you're absolutely right on the psychic side of things and I'm really looking forward to that. We don't know anything about them now, so, you know, we're not going to speculate. It's exciting nonetheless that we know Gene Gray's coming and you got to run Gene on a Scott and Wolverine team just for the stories that's being told there. There's a lot of movement on that front in this new Jonathan Hickman X-Men reboot. I just got to say that. Oh boy. Well, there you go. The classic story continues. Sort of. So some crazy reveals happened during some painting streams, Chris. And once again, not cards, not even art. This time, two sculpts that had us shocked and excited. And we're going to start with the first one, which was a mega red. I will mention when I first saw it on my phone as I was in the middle of doing something, not at home. Give me some slack here, listener. The stream was buffering and I was like, is that a whiplash sculpt? And then they started turning it around and stuff like that. My brain clicked, but it took some time. I was thinking, are they going whiplash? You know, people know the Iron Man movies. So I was thinking that initially, but then time passed, my brain clicked, things worked. Omega Red, which I was not ready for, honestly. I am very curious as to what team Omega Red will be slotting into. I'm very curious as to what the box mate will be for Omega Red. I have a theory. I'm holding it in. But just Omega Red coming to the game, I mean, a strong character. You know, Omega Red, it's just, we're going to see what version of Omega Red Atomic Mass wants to bring in here. Sure. He's been a major villain, you know, kind of when he was introduced, and now he's more of a B-tier, C-tier sure. kind of guy. So it, it's going to be really interesting. Is he going to be... I could see him being two. I could see him being four. I mean, I've been wrong before and said someone will be three, and they ended up at five. So <laughs> you never know where it's going to go, but I'm mostly super curious as to what team he is going to fit on. Now, as far as the other... The reveal other. Oh, man. that went on here. I can't handle it. I can't. It kind of evokes the same questions, but oh my gosh, what a model. And that, of course, is everyone's favorite vampire hunter, Blade. Absolutely. He's here, man. I think that is so cool. He's announced. Oh my gosh. Uh, once again, I have a theory as to what team he will be a part of. I'll hold that in, but very exciting stuff. <laughs> I cannot wait to see Blade's kit. I just cannot. They could put Blade with like the least interesting character in Marvel to me in his box, and I might consider buying two. What's scary, Chris, is <laughs> they might put someone really incredible. I'm not going to speculate either, but like say they put someone from the more serious or even horror mm -hmm. side of Marvel with Blade, okay, then I'm definitely buying two now. It's just one of those things where I have to see who's actually in his box, who comes with Blade. But at this point, I've seen what Blade's model looks like, and that's enough. And I am over the moon. I, I was not the ready for this. hands reaching out. Oh, my gosh. Trying to grab him, or, you know, he just phased in or something, or, or jumped in. Like, there's a lot of ideas you can pursue here. Like, you can make those pure vampire hands or specter hands. I, I really think there's going to be a lot of creativity there. Some people might do more undead hands, which I'm really into as well. Just the model alone, though, Chris, the double katana, all that. I just wasn't ready for it. Blade is a favorite character of mine. But the idea of getting Blade in this game, I just, I wasn't thinking he's going to have one of the best models, I guess. Does that make sense? Like, I was thinking he's just going to look like Blade and look awesome. But that's it. To me, Blade was a two years down the road character, much like Omega Red. I had no idea. I'd, like, my mind wasn't there at all. They do such a good job of throwing in these characters that are meaningful yet unexpected. 
That's true. Which is kind of hard to do. We know the character pool as well or better than they do in some cases. Right. I mean, I hate to kind of break the fourth wall or whatever, but it is a Marvel license. We know the shows that are on the way, you know? That's true. I I have no doubt that Marvel has some say in what the character pool is for being released, yet they still surprise me. And it's so fun. It keeps things so interesting. It's kind of like a good swerve in professional wrestling. Oh, there's the Chris wrestling reference. So I was waiting for it. Take a drink. So the thing is, Chris, though, you said two years out, just let's date the game and date our content a little bit make you think back how time has been the weirdest thing for the past couple of years now. Oh my. But we started this podcast in October of 19. Well, October of 21 is coming up not that far away, right? So, I mean, maybe Blade comes out in the winter and he comes out right at the two-year mark, you know? I mean, that's a crazy thing, right? I don't know. Blade felt like more of a, a deep reach into the bag. Interesting. Okay. To me. And I'm very happy that they brought him earlier because not a deep reach now though the Mahershal Ali has been cast as Blade. <laughs> That's true. And and that probably has something to do with the fact that Blade has come to the game before I expected it. So like I said, Disney's involved a little bit here. But know? I mean our future Chris involves Blade and MCP and Blade somewhere in the either the Marvel movies or Marvel Disney Plus format. I'm just happy. Like we're getting modern Blade content, you know? Super cool, man. Yeah, and this model is just, it's its stellar. It was only on the stream, so I'm sure they'll give us more Blade content in the future, and I can't wait till then, but Omega Red and Blade, and of course Jean Grey, and like Nova, they're more teases, you know? They're not actual reveals for the weekend, and I love i love that. I personally love that Atomic Mask gives us more than the reveals. They give us teases, too. I think tons of icing on this like wonderful cake, you know, that we already got, that we didn't necessarily need, you know? And they just gave it to us. Let the hype build. Time to start reading... All sorts of Blade stuff. I'm I'm excited, Chris. I can't wait to do his episode on the show. I am very excited for that one. That Blade episode will make doing the Cassandra Nova episode worth it. There you go. So, Chris, now we're getting into the meat of the show because turns out Atomic Mask gave us a lot of content outside of reveals. They gave us a new event kit, and they also gave us a bunch of cards to chew on, think about, get excited for the summer. So, starting with the event kit, they did a super cool thing. They dropped a Civil War kit just for free on the Atomic Mass website. You can find it on there for free, has the rules, has the tokens you can print off, has the crisis cards, which of course are only for the scenario. And they had people play three games of MCP over the weekend with different crisis cards. And then people got to choose different abilities, one-time use abilities for the game. And then they wanted people that played the Civil War event to turn in the results to Atomic Mass. And they're going to do a fun thing where they reveal who won the Civil War. Pretty cool. Oh, I love it. I love that so much. It evokes some kind of other tabletop games where the lore is kind of determined by tournaments and things like that. Right. Very cool. Hard to do in the Marvel universe, but MCP, of course, is its own world. True. We don't know the number on that world yet, of course, but using 616 heroes. Right. Who knows how far they'll take this? We might get to go with our very own, you know, MCP narrative, its own its own world. Shoot, maybe I'll write a comic script based on the MCP world. That would be awesome. I think it's a fun thing too, Chris. Like you said, something we've seen in super cool games in the past and games in the future that are kind of shaping the narrative of things based on how these events go. But 
More importantly, this was a three-day con. Though it was digital from home, they were adding features that made it feel like a fully-fledged con. Like if you went to the con, you would have participated in this every day. You know, you would have played in this. And then we had the results by the end of the con. So I just love this content exists in the game. Narrative content, you know, all these things coming out, these OP kits coming out. I'm so hyped for. It's just so much more MCP in a different light. And it's kind of shaping the way the game is played, too. It doesn't always have to be meta. You don't always have to play MODOK or something like that. You can lean into these narrative events like the Vibranium Heist, like the Infinity War League kit that's coming out very soon. And then, of course, things like the Civil War kit. I think it's great. I think the Civil War kit's very cool. This is something I could see doing with a group of friends over a weekend as well later on in the future. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the future excitement too, Chris, with the OP kits when you go to the stores and participate in these things. You obviously play in the store for the weekend like people did with the Vibranium Heist. You also could take it home and change things up and try different things at home with your friends and family. I'm super excited about that, and I think it's a great addition to the game. But past that, Chris, we had the big, big reveals of the weekend, which were the Spider-Man card the Mysterio card, the Carnage card, and the Carnage Tactics cards. We're just going to go through this together on the podcast for you, the listener. We're kind of going to give our basic first thoughts on these cards and what they mean for the game and how excited we are for them in the game when they actually come out in the summer. So Chris, starting with the amazing Spider-Man, Alter Ego Peter Parker. So of course, you can't have both Peter Parkers on the same team on the field. Makes sense. The theme is right. You could have, of course, you know, Miles and this Peter. AMG did mention that this Peter Parker is the old Peter Parker, not the old, old, but like the older experienced Peter Parker. And the corset Peter Parker is the first starting out early year Spider-Man Peter Parker. And when you put in that format, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, first pass, this Peter Parker's five threat, the corset Peter Parker is four threat. Also, quick pass, Chris, this Peter Parker has 12 health total, six on both sides. He's a long mover, and his defenses are not 3-3-3. Three, three, three. His defenses are four physical, four energy, three mystic. That's a good start. You know where I am on this character. That is a good start, but we're about to get to the real stuff. First, I'll say he is six health on both sides, 12 health total. It's nice. He is a size two. And he is a threat five. Now, let's talk about why he is a threat five. He <laughs> is a long mover. Yes, medium-sized base. I was going to get to that. I was going <laughs> to dramatically say medium-sized base. We have a lot of medium-sized bases with short moves. I think we have a couple of medium-sized bases with medium moves. Yeah, are Green essentially Goblin. long moves. Yeah. And he's... Peter Parker. So he's got a web swing. We all knew it. I'm not spoiling anything by telling you this. Yeah. This is an insane amount of mobility on one character. As it should be. This is the experienced Spider-Man, right? This is like Spider-Man at his most powerful that we know him. Well, I mean... The classic amazing Spider-Man. We might see a six-threat Spider-Man. You never know. I hope so. I am happy with this one because this is, you know, the amazing Spider-Man, which, you know, what a name too, right? I love that we have the distinction between the two, but Chris is right. Long move on a medium base and you have web swing as well, which costs two power and Peter can just place himself range three. The thing that helps Miles get everywhere, right? Because Miles is a medium mover. Miles does not have a long move like Gwen, like Corset Peter Parker. 
But Miles kind of makes up for that with his web swing. Well, okay. Now you've got Peter Parker, who's a medium base, which none of the other web warriors are, with a long move. Okay, so he's faster than all the long movers. But then he also has Miles' web swing. So this character can get places. Ant-Man might have run for his money now, finally. Finally. Ant-Man's been kind of running the gambit with where he can get <laughs> through crazy, crazy things. And it's very fun. Yeah, but... You know, of course, he's a wall crawler. He's a wall crawler. So he has flight or wall crawler. They're the same ability in the game, different names. So he ignores all terrain size five or smaller. So once again, mobility, <laughs> like crazy mobility. This is great. I was saying before the episode kind of off stream. That's right. This is kind of the Spider-Man we were hoping for out of the core set. Corset was not ready for the Spider-Man. Not at all. Mm-mm. No. Way too complex. And, you know, maybe way too powerful for some early game experiences against someone who knows how to play this character. But I will say, you know, the four threat Spider-Man is still great. He's still really great in the Defenders and the Web Warriors. What's interesting, Chris, about this, that Spider-Man is kind of only good in the Web Warriors and the Defenders. This Spider-Man might be good more places. And you can quote me on that. I'm going to quote you on that. It's in the book. So let's talk about his attacks really fast. He's got two. They're both physical. He has a strike, of course. It's a range three, strength five. Range three. No, that's <laughs> that's pretty good, man. Mobility and range on his strike, that's pretty good. It is a gain power to the damage dealt. Yeah. It does have a trigger, but this trigger is not going to be something you rely on. This is a crit and a wild. It is called momentum. Choose another enemy character within range two of the target character. Place this character within range one of the chosen character. The chosen character suffers a collision as if this character were thrown into them. This is Peter hitting one person and then maybe with his other web shooter grabbing the nearest enemy and and pulling them together, causing a collision. Like I said, this is not going to be something that you're going to be choosing targets based on getting this. This is going to be a... A nice little thing that happens every once in a while. It's not something you count on. I will say, though, Peter does get a teleport off of this to the second target. So once again, it's a crazy mobility thing, right? Because it says place Peter within range one of the chosen characters. You know, the second character you weren't actually attacking, right? That was collided into. Peter's teleporting behind them in a way. So his mobility gets better if this happens. It's crazy, right? It's crazy. It's like kind of like beasts and Logan. We talked about in the podcast where they have mm-hmm. their, their lunging attack and then they teleport behind the target. But this is even crazier because Peter could long move, strike someone range three, and then teleport to a target that's range two of that target. So technically range five away, Hawkeye distance away, he could teleport. I think Amazing Spider-Man is going to be insane. You can't stop him. In storms. Yeah, no, put him in storms oh, list. Yeah, then he's getting a little movement, team. some cover. Yeah. And he He's always got cover without it being affecting any one that he can attack. It's just nuts. Anyway, so we need to move on to his next attack. We have a lot to cover. This is whatever a spider can. It is a range to strength eight. So good. Attack. It is going to cost you five power. Expensive. After this attacker is resolved, this character may advance medium more movement. I love it. And if you roll a wild, you are going to trigger catch. After this attack is resolved, 
you may choose an interactive terrain feature of size 2 or less and within range 3 of this character and destroy it. The target character suffers a collision as if the terrain were thrown into them. Once again, Storm's team. Once again, Chris, he just got a a size 2 throw, which of course is nothing exceptional, but throws are good. He can throw a car after he does an attack without actually paying for the throw separate as a superpower, right? It's just a free throw of a terrain piece of size two or less. It's great. It's so cool. He's kind of doing that that classic Peter one-two punch move where he does the he does the big strikes on them and then he shoots a web shooter back into a car then and then pulls it down on them, right? And slams it down. And the car, of course, is destroyed, but the enemy gets hit by the car. But that's crazy, Chris. A eight dice physical save and then they have to make a three auto hit dodge save after that this is a very good character (laughs) he's very good but the curveball we weren't ready for chris is that we now have a second leader in the web warriors and that's this spider-man it just gets better and better this is that similar situation we talked about in the podcast before if you bring this peter and you bring miles when you sit across from your opponent at your table you can decide do i want this to be a miles leader game do i want this to be a peter leader game and i'm a big fan of that and peter's affiliation leadership is friendly neighborhood spider team affiliation web warriors once per turn during an allied character's activation it may pay one power and choose an enemy character within range two the chosen enemy character gains the slow special condition just auto gains it if the chosen character already had a slow special condition token place it within one of its current position and then remove the slow condition you're doing the storm stuff to them. Auto slow, Chris. What do you think about auto slow for one power? I'm literally speechless here. <laughs> you know how much I love handing out conditions. And now every character on your team, once per turn, can hand out a condition. Well, Chris knows I like to play a lot of Hawkeye, and I feel like Hawkeye is pretty oppressive when he's getting off his shocks and slows all game. Exactly. What if you could just give out a slow once per turn for one power? It does cost one power, and the character does have to be range two of the spider person, so keep that in mind. But, Chris, this is like some of the best characters in the game are long movers. Some of the best characters in the game are medium movers who you always want to be in the fray. If you just pay one power to give Black Panther a slow, I'm going to do that all game to Black Panther. The whole game. If he shakes it, I'm going to pay one again to give it back to him. And it's not just that. It's think about this with the Web Warriors You're talking about a lot of characters on this team that have very, very pronounced movement abilities. Right. You can web sling within two and then just move away. Oh, yeah. You have the mobility. Yeah. You've got the mobility to move, hand out the slow condition, and then attack, and then web sling away. (laughs) This is very strong. Well, I've also got to mention, Chris, that I have a favorite card that I always play in my Web Warriors, which is all webbed up, which I've talked in our Web Warrior episodes, but Web Warrior characters can pay three to play this card. Each enemy character within range three of the character that played this card. So every enemy character within range three of whoever paid the cost of this suffers a slow condition. When allied Web Warrior characters are attacking characters suffering the slow special condition, this round add two dice to their all their attack rolls. Okay. So now you're always taking this card because now if you're running Peter's team, you're passing out slows to their whole team. And then when you're ready for the all webbed up turn, will you, you know, just get more dice and I'll pass out more slows, you know, if you need them, it's strong, man. It's good stuff. This is my fantasy as Spider-Man being my main favorite hero. And then like this whole like control meets mobility team. I'm all about it. Spider-Man has never been my favorite hero. But I do love the spider 
family. Oh my gosh. Yes. And this amazing Spider-Man has really beefed up the spider family. We have got other things to talk about. We've got to move on. So I'm going to talk about, we've got web sling on this character. It is the same web sling that you're going to see on, on miles place the character within range three for two power. But also it procs his strike just like miles. It adds two dice to his next strike. So great. It's so great. So Chris, that momentum is way more likely to trigger off seven dice than five. Two more dice. Right. Crazy. Next, you're going to have witty banter. When an enemy character within range three of this character is attacking an allied character, Spider-Man may use this superpower during the modify opponent's dice step of the attack. Now, this is different because usually it's this character may use this superpower, period. Yeah, this is reactive too. Yeah, this is reactive as well. This is now during, this is happening during a specific phase of the attack. It's not completely unique to this superpower, but it is interesting that we're seeing this in the text now. It just, it just shows that we're, we're opening the game up more. They're looking for more avenues to, to affect the game with superpowers to bend the rules. But notice too, Chris, like this says not Peter, someone within range three of Peter and ally. So like, it's also kind of weirdly that Dr. Strange bubble. Mm, Interesting. Oh no, that just opens up a whole nother. (laughs) It does. Slew of possibilities. So here is what the actual witty banter is going to do. You may re-roll one die in the attack roll. Hilarious. Look, man, that's good. He, he sees something happening. He, Tosses a little joke, maybe gets in the opponent's head for half a second, allowing someone to re-roll. Maybe, maybe that attack dies. It's classic Peter, man. He's always taunting his enemies, getting in their heads. He's always kind of, you know, being annoying. Yeah, yeah. annoying and fun, and just and he really gets in their heads. And this is really thematic. Like if Gwen's by Peter and Green Goblin's attacking Gwen, Peter gets to re-roll one of Green Goblin's attack dice that he doesn't like, you know, with this witty banner, if he wants to, I think it's great. Wonderful. Really. It's something I was not expecting on this character. Once again, more control, Chris, more control. And it's really taking that first starter box, Peter, and just dialing it all up. It's, it's pushing it all to the next level. This is cool. There's some, there's some very interesting through lines with these two characters. And I love that they've, kept that idea. It's very cool. Yeah, I can close that out, Chris, with that thought, because I'm so glad you mentioned that, because the corset Peter Parker has spider sense. When this character is defending against a physical or energy attack or making a dodge roll, it may re-roll two of its defense or dodge dice. Miles has the same thing, but it turns out this is the older, amazing Spider-Man, and he has mastered spider sense. This character may re-roll any number of its defense or dodge dice. Notice it does not even say physical or energy, Chris. It also means it applies to mystic. It applies to all dodge rolls. So, We've talked about this before. The math gets weird. There's people who are way smarter than us that do this. Lots of people like Xavier Protocols and stuff on the internet. But Peter Parker's defenses, Chris, are 4-4-3. But in a weird way, on a good day, they're like 6-6-4-5. I mean, really. With the re-rolls, it's crazy. It's really crazy. He's staying around. It's great. He's staying around. And of course, we talked about he has wall crawler. It closes off his card. On his backside, nothing changes. Once again, the same 
health. I do love that his backside art, though, you can see Peter's face and you also see the spider sense squiggly lines above his head. What a nice touch on the art. That man's been in a war. Also, Chris, one of my favorite things about Spider-Man that is a recurring silly thing that happens all the time. Villains are always knocking his mask off. Always. <laughs> He's got to put it back on, you know, so civilians can't see him or they're always ripping it off, right? Like like a lizard or something like we talked about. So his face is shown on the back. It's something we've seen in the comics a lot because he's always got to hide who he is. So it makes his fight different from that point onward, right? Because now he's maskless, right? He's trying to fight a bad guy, also keep his identity hidden. I love it. This one of my favorite characters in the game. Easily. There's like no contest. I'm very happy right now, Chris. Well, Jesse, I'm sorry to tell you we've got a show to do and we have to move on we do and i've got two of my favorite villains and all of marvel coming up and i think we just got to start with mysterio chris because mysterio is pretty exceptional and so is carnage the route they're going with carnage and mysterio if you're gonna wrap your head around this as we're going through it is the ceiling is very high would you agree with that chris <laughs> i don't see myself winning any games where i use mysterio but but i'm excited to use him anyway they're the type of characters where if you do something wrong, you'll be punished. But if you do something right, you'll be rewarded. And I, th- I think I like that about Mysterio and Carnage both. I just want to have that thought when we go into this. They are strange. They're very strange. And I'm sure some people online are going to call them bad. And those people are wrong. Oh, really? Yeah. And those people will be very wrong. They might not be 10 out of 10, but they might be 10 out of 10 when you know the characters. And let's just put all that aside, Chris. You and I like fun. We like Marvel. And we love these characters. These are these characters, for better or for worse, right? AMG just knocked it out of the park, 100%. But let's talk about Mysterio because he's exceptional. So Mysterio, Quentin Beck, of course, he's a six health short move, height of two, and a threat cost of three. And before we get to his defenses, his backside, he has five health, Chris, still maintains the short move. Of course, he's three threat. Before we get into his defenses, which are crazy town think about him being a three threat i love the idea that i can play mysterio in a lot of places you have to keep that in mind the entire time that you kind of dissect his kit yeah but the one thing i want to say i think mysterio is an early game monster i think you throw him up up front early sure if he dies he dies but the amount of space he should be able to open up for the rest of your team should put you in a really good spot. Well, you know, Chris, when my first thought, not to get anyone too frustrated at home or Chris frustrated, but my first thought was I'm playing this man with Loki and that's the game I'm playing. Oh God. (laughs) You just live to make this game not fun for your opponent. That's not true. That's not true at all. I want to live the mage dream. That's what I want to do. Really? You played mono blue decks when you were a kid, (laughs) didn't you? I did not play magic. No, I refute that as a avid Hearthstone player. I have never played priest ever. I refuse to because that hard control business. I'm not about that. I'm not about non-interactivity, but I am about a hard play that's rewarded. And I think Mysterio and Loki are like that. I feel like if you know what you're doing, you're rewarded. If you don't know what you're doing, it's not going to be a fun time really playing Loki and Mysterio for you. But we got to get into Mysterio's defenses, Chris, because they're weird. He has one physical defense, one energy and five mystic and he's a three threat so that three 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 baseline we've seen has just been shifted all over the place in the best way possible honestly for this character i think that we have kind of break protocol pun intended sure and we have to talk about one of his superpowers when we're talking about his defenses it's called smoke and mirrors and it is an innate superpower 
When an enemy character targets Mysterio with an attack, Mysterio may use its mystic defense regardless of the attack's type, unless the attacking character pays to power. And this is why I say that he's kind of an early game monster. For three threat, you're getting six initial health with a five defense roll on round one and let's be honest probably round two maybe round three as well sure yeah unless you're playing the asgardians or something well what's what's interesting chris is like the slow move puts him in a weird spot too so it's like he has all these strengths and weaknesses there are ways to get him up there there are ways you're so right i'm glad you mentioned smoke and mirrors though because it is the exact same wording that enchanting on enchantress that she has so i love that these two characters who are both like magic you know, adept people have the same ability. Enchantress has the exact same wording. You know, if you don't pay two power, she uses her five defense and her defenses are two, two, five, and she's a four threat. Mysterious are one, one, five, and he's a three threat. Enchantress is a medium mover. Mysterious is a short. And of course, Enchantress has that incredibly overpowered, potentially a Morris kiss, which we'll get to on the podcast, but you know, she pays three and moves a token to herself, you know? From an enemy character. Oh, I love her. She's so powerful. She also has a beam attack. I mean, she's one of the best characters in the game right now. You know, dead stop. That's a true statement. But I love that Mysterio is the discount enchantress. I mean, that is incredible because if we have a four threat who's one of the best in the game right now and we have a discount version of her, you might work a little harder to play better. But if you work a little harder and he's a three threat and you get more value than a three threat out of him, okay, Mysterio did his job, as Chris said. So I'm, I'm a fan. I'm glad you mentioned Smoke and Mirrors. So puts his defenses in perspective, but I'll just jump right into his attacks because he has two and we should talk about them. His first attack is a mystic attack called Hypnosis Gas. It's range three, four dice, zero power cost. After the attack is resolved, Mysterio gains power equal to the damage dealt. Of course, it's his strike. But if the attack deals damage after the attack is resolved, this character may advance the target character short. So once again, Chris, I was talking about Discount Enchantress. What about Discount Doctor Strange? A worse strike than Doctor Strange, but still gets to move them short like Doctor Strange. Okay. Well, it makes sense. He's kind of the, I wish I was a magic user guy, right? Wishes he was Doctor Strange. Yeah. Exactly. Really strong. I think this is a great strike. Four dice is rough, but four dice mystic is like five dice. Right. On physical or something. So it's kind of a, a wash. His second attack, though, is pretty interesting. It's called Curtain Call. Great name. It's range two, six strength, cost four power. Of course, it's mystic as well. If the attack deals damage and the target character is size two or less, after the attack is resolved, they may be thrown short. Amazing. Wild trigger, after the attack is resolved, the target character gains stagger. Excellent. A throw short and stagger. Okay, very good. You're not going to use this a lot. It's fourth. But when you're ready, Chris, this is powerful, you know? It's one that you're going to set up its use, mm-hmm. but it's good. I really look forward to like Mysterio coming out in the future, our, doing our deep dive on his lore and like his, of course, appearances in the movies, but then like doing a full deep dive on strategy. Of course, these are our passing quick thoughts. Uh, we're going to know a lot more when we do our episode, Chris, and I'm going to have more thoughts on this, but as a quick thoughts, like this is super exciting. You know, this is fun. He seems fun. And something that we're going to have to talk about that makes him seem even more fun, tricks and traps, a reactive superpower that's going to cost you three power. When an enemy character ends a movement within range three of Mysterio, Mysterio may use this superpower. 
Roll four dice. The enemy character suffers one damage for each crit and wild rolled. If this superpower deals at least one damage, this character may advance short. Wow. It's a little difficult to get a crit or a wild off of four dice, but for a three threat character and a movement challenged character, this is worth trying. And you're going to have the option anytime anyone ends within that range three bubble yeah. of Mysterio. So if you can get him up kind of into the middle early and force people to use their strikes on his five defense. Sure. This could be very useful. He's going to be in the middle commanding the battlefield. If anyone ends their movement within range three, he's going to be able to decide if he wants to, you know, try and get a couple damage in on him and get some movement. I, I think that's yeah really powerful in the right spot. It's not universally powerful. Though. Interesting, Chris, because it's a, it's a twist on Rocket's booby traps. And obviously, I, I play a lot of Rocket, so I'm pretty familiar with that. Rocket's booby traps cost three as well. He rolls four dice. The enemy character suffers one damage for each crit and wild rolled. So it's exactly the same as Rockets, except Mysterio gets the free advance short. It's a better version of Rockets booby traps. But when you roll four dice, Chris, like you are likely to see like one hit or something. So, and what's fun about this is this gets around defense saves. So when someone's low, say they're one health away from dying, do they want to move into Mysterio's range three bubble? And just risk this. Probably not, because it's it's an auto hit if they if he rolls one of these results. But more importantly, he gets a free short out of it. It's a cool twist on Rocket's ability. So I'm a fan. And I think it's strong. It's expensive though. It is expensive, but I really enjoy this kind of zone control. Giving your opponent something to think about when moving to a certain area of the board. It just presents more problems. It presents more options for your opponent, or I guess options for you. To deal with your opponent. And I just think that's always a good thing. Keep them thinking. Keep them guessing. And hopefully they make a mistake. Well, in like first passing thoughts, I think of Mysterio as a spider foe with Green Goblin. People move into the Green Goblin's bubble. He explodes terrain. Gives them damage from the terrain. There's a lot of things where it's like we're seeing a spider foe's theme happening. And of course, the spider foe's affiliation ability is Oscorp weaponry. Pay one to reroll one of the defender's defense dice. You can see how your hypnosis gas attack went or your curtain call attack went. You see what they roll on defense and you say, I'm rerolling one of those blocks into a blank, hopefully, you know? So there's a lot of things that I'm seeing where he works in the team and I'm, I'm a big fan. But just closing him out, Chris, he has four innate superpowers. You already talked about smoke and mirrors. Let's talk about the last three. He has master of illusions. Whenever this character rolls dice after the effect is resolved. So that, of course, is after all phases, after you know damage is dealt, after all the dice are locked in. Mysterio gains one power if he rolled at least one blank. Additionally, Mysterio always uses his mystic defense when making a dodge roll. So when you throw stuff at him, he's always using his five dice to defend. So throwing stuff at him is not actually good. That's the first time we've seen this. Kind of an interesting counterplay to a Magneto in a way. Right. It's like Magneto, you want to throw stuff at him so he doesn't have stuff to throw. But inversely, he gets power because if he's playing the Brotherhood affiliation, anytime anything blows up, he gets power. But still, you're like taking things away from him. And he really doesn't love defending because, of course, we know Magneto's best defense is his mystic. But he has to pay to use it, right? And all throws are physical defense. So it's cool that Mysterio is always using mystic to defend dodge rolls big fan of that but of course closing out his kit 
He has innate stealth. Characters must be within range three to target him with attacks. And then he has flight. So this character is awesome, Chris. I just have to make that obvious correlation. I know you've all picked up on it before me, but I have to say it. Stealth is within tricks and traps. Sure. So if they can hit you, you can hit them. That's true. Yeah. So if you're outside of the tricks and traps range, you can't be attacked, which is very good against the Hawkeyes of the world, which could shred him up if they paid the two power and he uses his physical defense or something, right? That could be real bad for Mysterio, but doesn't matter. He has stealth. Also, Chris, flight is good. Not as big of a deal with Mysterio because he's a short move. Not really going to change much of anything. It does help him get where he wants to be without having to go around cars or anything like that. As long as he can clear it, right? Or land on it or, yeah, there's less things. But, yeah, big fan of Quentin Beck. Classic Spider-Man hero. I think this is beautiful. I love the three threat. I love, Chris, now we're getting to the game where we get three threats like Crystal, like Mysterio, like Lockjaw that are just crazy three threats. Like they're not crazy overpowered, but they're crazy in the way of, I could be taking Valkyrie or Hawkeye right now, but I chose to take one of these. And the things that they're doing are very unique compared to some of the other three threats in the game, right? We got a lot of just solid characters in the three threat spot. Shuri is a good example. This is not a Shuri. This is very different. You know, this is very different and rewarding for the player that plays a lot of Mysterio. So Chris, we saved the best for last. You guys thought Mysterio and Spider-Man were complex. Turns out Carnage is very complex as well, and maybe more complex than both of those characters. So closing out the show with Carnage, and of course Carnage, we got his cards as well, Chris. So it seems fitting that we kind of dive fully into him because he's got cards as well. So Carnage, Cletus Cassidy, he has a whopping seven health, a medium move on a medium sized base, a height of two and a threat cost of four. And on his injured side, he also has seven health, putting him at 14 health, being the healthiest fourth threat in the game. Okay. Which is pretty exceptional. Once again, like Mysterio, weird defenses. His defenses are five physical, one energy, one mystic. This is crazy. He's weird. He's healthy, but his defenses are are tough, you know, and we saw this theme start with Venom, right? Venom had the impressive four defense on physical, two on energy, right? So Venom's weakness was energy. Carnage, it's more extreme. It's much more extreme, Chris. So like, what are your first thoughts? Like before we even get to his superpowers, because it's interesting to put Carnage and Venom side by side. Once again, though, I will say, Chris, Venom was seven health on the front, six on the back for four threat. Carnage is seven and seven for four threat. So these are two of the healthiest four threats in the game, as they should be. But Venom's defenses were four physical, two energy, three mystic. They've shifted that around. Carnage is five, one, one. First off, it's thematic with the low energy defense for symbiotes. That's always going to be a thing. The low mystic defense, of course, because Cletus Cassidy is certifiably insane. Psychotic, yeah. Yeah, 100%. But goodness. Goodness. <laughs> this character, man. We've talked about how he has 14 health total, which is exceptional for a fourth threat. We're going to jump ahead and break format just like Chris did with Mysteria. And we're going to talk about a reactive power that Carnage has called Paint the Town Red for three power, which is very expensive. But I think you're going to bank three power when you read this. If Carnage dazes or KOs an enemy character with an attack during Carnage's activation, Carnage may use his superpower. After the attack is resolved, Carnage advances short, removes all damage from himself, and then makes a symbiote tendrils attack, which is his strike. This superpower may only be used once per turn. So if you daze two people in a turn, this would not happen twice. It happened once. 
But still, Chris, this helps get around his poor energy and mystic defense. This is one of the most interesting things I've ever seen in MCP. This is like Rogue on steroids. This is like Zeratul from StarCraft. There's a lot of things happening here, but I think his kit is based around his stats and this superpower. Everything else is additional. He's a finisher, man. The finisher. Yeah, he's on your team to land the KO blow. No other reason. No other reason. And here's what's crazy, Chris. Like Carnage might be the first finisher in the game we've seen where the weaker and lower threat the character is, the better it is for him. If they're low health and they're low threat, he's more likely to kill them and just heal everything back. He's just going to eat all these lower threat characters and work his way up the chain is what I'm going to call it going forward. Like he's going to kill all your low threat characters, then go to your medium threat characters and go to your high threat characters. This is if he lives the whole game, right? In doing that, every time he kills a character, he heals back up, but he's removing activations from you. And if he has five damage on him and he kills a two threat like a Koye, he just took five damage off. So not not only did he remove a Koye or daze her, whatever he did, forget about that. Just think about that he advanced short, performed a free strike, and healed back to full. So you want to watch your low threat characters around him, I think. It's very interesting because he is the first overtly anti-wide list character that we've seen. Sure. To my knowledge, and it makes you kind of think twice about running that Wakanda list. Yeah, that's true. Also, like, where is he coming from? Where is he flanking? Like, right. you're placing him last. Absolutely. It makes me love it more because <laughs> turn zero is really going to matter, Chris, unfortunately, for Carnage a lot. Which means I will be avoiding him. <laughs> We've talked about it before. But let's talk about Symbiote Tendrils, his strike, which is range three, just like Venom. I love it. It's five strength zero power cost after the attack has been resolved carnage gains power equal to the damage dealt but just like venom after the attack has been resolved the target character gains the bleed condition no matter what so after it's resolved even if carnage did no damage they're getting bleed it's nice i love it so closing out his attacks we have maximum carnage another physical attack so weaknesses of carnage and venom are the physical attacks for sure but they still have them maximum carnage chris is an a2 attack so we were waiting for another area attack we got it on carnage it's seven strength cost five power very expensive but seven strength on a2 you can't ignore it whatsoever after each attack is resolved the target character gains the bleed special condition so once again if you get a good a2 off you're auto giving everyone bleed no matter what if no damage is dealt it's fine they still get a bleed but chris it gets really crazy if carnage rolls a wild and hit in the result he triggers rampage after each attack is resolved deal one damage to each other character within range two of this character this is cleave on steroids so he a2 is a group of three people the first target he triggers rampage because he gets wild and hit let's say he does like two damage to the target from the dice results but then he triggers rampage because you know he got a hit and wild everyone within range two of him suffers one damage so that's a2 right so you've you just pinged everyone and now you move on to your next a2 target potentially can ping everyone again move on to your next a2 target potentially can ping everyone again it's crazy this is a finishing move do not bunch up do not bunch up when you're playing against carnage also chris this might be the most thematic attack i've seen in the game because this is what carnage does we we know the character like he's the symbiote in really vicious ways and one of the most vicious ways he uses it is like getting in a group of people sending it out several ways and then it shoots out of those people's bodies into other people's bodies it's very grim it's very violent and a lot of damage it's crazy. 
He's bad, dude. He's one of the most chaotic evils that exist. So we've talked about Paint the Town Red. Now we're going to talk about his first innate superpower, which is undoubtedly a wild card when playing this character. It is arch nemesis Eddie Brock. When attacking Eddie Brock, this character may modify or re-roll skull results and may re-roll any number of attack dice. Oof. At the start of Carnage's activation, if there is a non-dazed enemy Eddie Brock within range 3 of this character, Carnage's first action must be to make an attack targeting that Eddie Brock, if possible. So, this is basically not just Venom, but if we get Anti-Venom or any other incarnate of Eddie Brock sure. that we've seen over the years. Alter Ego, yeah. If Carnage is the linchpin of your team, be careful. Be on the lookout. The fun part is you destroy Venom too. So it's it's that double-edged sword we saw with Green Goblin's card where he has the arch nemesis Peter Parker. So Green Goblin's going to have two Peter Parkers on the field now that he does the same thing. I love this theme, Chris. We've only seen it so far on these two spider villains. So I'm wondering if the arch nemesis comes up in the future. I think it's a cool interaction in our MCP games. You know, it's super strange. It's a complete wild card. It's not going to be applicable every game. Right. But when you do see it, it is another potential control piece for your opponent. You can taunt Carnage in a way. You can pull him away from the fight, which is pretty interesting. But he will probably kill your Venom. So it's kind of an interesting back and forth. And not to mention that it's kind of hard to get Venom into an interesting enough position to taunt Carnage away. He is a slow mover. He is a slow mover. So, Chris, closing out Carnage's superpowers, we have the symbiotic serial killer. Of course, just like Venom, when this character is attacking, the defending character does not add dice to its defense roll for critical results. They do not explode crits. Very bad. So, if they roll some crits on defense, it doesn't matter. Like, the crits count for defense, but they don't explode them. So, increasing that burst for Carnage's gambling. And closing out, he has Wall Crawler, an active superpower, which we save for last for a reason, called Sadistic Glee. Costs two. During the next attack action made by this character during this turn, add two dice to its attack rolls. After each attack is resolved, the attack contains any skull results. Carnage suffers one damage. The superpower can only be used once per turn. So Chris, the way I read this is Maximum Carnage, the seven dice... A2 that gives the also the extra pings for five power costs actually costs seven. That's how I read this. Because can you imagine A2 with nine dice that also pings people outside of the attacks? Too much. But also it could kill Carnage. You're playing on this like gambling mechanic. Do you want to do it? Do you want to add dice? Do you want to, you know, increase your chance of skulls? Do you just want to add dice to your symbiote tendrils, make it go from five to seven? to gain a lot of power, but maybe get some skulls and get hurt from it. Incredibly thematic of the character. Like he's taking damage as well because, you know, what's left of Cletus is still inside the symbiote and then Cletus has taken over the symbiote and gone full, like we talked about, murder with it. But also, you know, there's some risks with Carnage, right? There's a lot of risks. I think this is another fun risk. Of course, Chris, him being a medium mover with a medium-sized base with wall crawler makes him shockingly mobile. Just think of Hello with her medium-sized base, but like then you add wall yeah. crawler, right? So an exciting character, but we've got to talk about his two cards now. His first card is an unaffiliated card. It's active. Carnage may spend 
any number of power to play this card, any number of power, choose one enemy character within range three of Carnage for each power spent. So essentially, this could be crazy, Chris. If there's four or five enemies within range three of Carnage, you could pay four or five. Does that make sense? Like one per character. Right. Each chosen character gains the root special condition. Root is very powerful. It's only on Groot in the game so far, so it's super cool to see it outside of Groot. But, you know, this is where you give them the root condition, and now all their superpowers cost one more. So this is like a control card for Carnage. It's a tax. It's a Loki tax. Limiting your opponent's economy is extremely powerful in this game, especially if they're playing certain affiliations. Oh, yes. Just power-hungry characters in general, but gosh, that's that's another range three bubble. We're talking another area of effect. Things to keep up with. Yeah, people have to keep up with. But closing out Carnage tax cards, because he, of course, has two, Chris, which is, I think, insane and super cool. Once again, unaffiliated, active. Carnage may spend four during his activation to play this card. Choose an enemy character within range four of Carnage. Advance the chosen character short towards Carnage. After the advance, Carnage makes a free Symbiote Tendrils attack targeting the chosen character. Chris, this is Mystique's Deception, but then you get a free strike. This is very good. Mystique's Deception's better because she, of course, moves in their movement, which is insane. But moving someone short towards Carnage when he already wants people by him so he can just melee all day, it's very good. It's expensive, but I mean, you pull someone away from their team or off an objective or just to their death, it's worth it. Well, and if you're playing Carnage, I shouldn't say playing, if things are going well with Carnage, you're going to have quite a bit of power because you're going to be taking a lot of damage. Yes. You're going to have healed quite a bit of damage as well. Good point, Chris. So thinking in those terms, if things are going right, if you're playing Carnage well, maybe if your your opponent hasn't played against Carnage properly, this could be an extremely powerful card, though I'm worried it may be a win more card. It might be. Instead of a game changing card. Absolutely. The root to me is very strong. This one need to be used at the right times. You know, it's hard to hard to say. I will say with Carnage, Chris, first pass in Players that aren't super experienced with MCP, he's not going to do well. I'm just going to say it. You could just play Black Panther, you know, for this cost. Right. Just be awesome because Black Panther is just awesome. Or play Medusa for that matter. She's an incredible right. fourth threat in the game. But the players that are experienced with MCP and really want to dive into this character and they do dive in, I think he's going to be one of those characters we see in games, in tabletop, in card games, in video games, where someone knows how to play them well and they put them out, but you don't know that yet, right? You don't know until you've played them in the game how well they know to pilot this character. But when they pilot Carnage this way, you will feel the fear that is Carnage and you will feel like Carnage is worth more than four threat. 100%. He will feel like he's worth five or six if they play him that way. Now, how do they play them that way? Time will tell. Teams will tell. Threat will tell. But my initial pass is I think Carnage is really strong with bodyguard characters like Okoye, like Captain America, which is interesting and funny. That's interesting because they take the attack on them. Carnage is moving up the field as this terrifying force. He's not actually being hit yet, right? Then when he's in the fight, he can be hit more because he can hopefully get kills and heal, right? So I think that's kind of the initial pass of Carnage. But I also think characters like Lockjaw, characters like the Red Skull, that teleport characters around, probably strong with Carnage. Because the faster he gets in the fight, the faster he's dealing damage, the faster he's killing characters, the faster he's healing and staying around. These are just my initial thoughts. I could be completely wrong, but I think if he has bodyguards and teleporting characters with him, 
that's a good start. You know, or just a terrain-heavy map. I lean more towards the teleporting characters. To me, Carnage is more of a float-in, float-out yes. of the fight type of character. But if he can float in, or if you have enough AoE damage, or enough ways to spread damage and tee up multiple characters, and let him just kind of maybe teleport in and just feast on on resetting his damage off of off of kills if you can get that timing right if you can manage that dance i think he could be insane oh no absolutely stand by my early statements about that too chris i think he is insane if that happens you know keeping the uh non-related to mcp references going like we did in previous episodes like carnage is the dark templar of starcraft too like he is the rogue of certain games where he's coming in and getting these crazy finish kills and then drifting out right and then coming back and getting other crazy finish kills he's like that fantasy of like zeratul who's my favorite blizzard character right like all these things if he does it right he does it right but if if he fails he fails bad and that's where it's kind of like are you playing black panther or are you playing carnage like there's there's some big differences there of course there's a whole gambit of characters between them right as there should be that are all great all different but that's the sliding scale for me right now. You know, it's like Black Panther's always going to work. He's a long mover. He's tanky. He pushes people off things. He has good damage. He has good defense. But then there's Carnage. And it's like the dream is there. The dream that Chris always talks about in these games, it will happen with Carnage a lot, actually. But it also won't happen at all for certain games, you know? So that's kind of how Carnage is. I kind of love that. I kind of love that just like if Cyclops is on the field and you misplay with Carnage, he just melts and does nothing. <laughs> You know, it's an interesting counterplay. It's an interesting way to play. I don't know that Carnage is going to see a lot of competitive play, but goodness gracious, if you're not using him for fun or even in competitive play for fun or a change of pace, I think, gosh, you're just doing yourself a disservice to be able to learn how to tee everything up and set things up with Carnage will only help you in playing other teams. Chris, maybe you play Carnage in your Scott team because he's going to have a lot of power if he stays around <laughs> and then just keep the double dream going, you know? A lot of power, pass it to Scott, pass it to Black Bolt, whatever. Beam from the backfield, you know, fun stuff. That's probably not possible. I think we're going to have to do a similar episode to what you and Omnis have been doing and build my Scott team. Okay, I'm up for the challenge. I am. Maybe Omnis will be interested in, in helping. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I think here soon... The dream will be real. I agree. And Chris, if these three characters are any indication of AMG's going, we're in a good spot. This Spider-Man, this Mysterio, this Carnage are so outside of the standard development and design box. I am so happy. Like, this is what I live for in games, as you know. And as probably the listeners know at this point, I don't want the easy way out, Chris. I want exciting. I want interesting. I want narrative. But I also want, like, these, like, big explosive turns if you do everything right you know like these are the type of characters that speak to me in so many ways the theme the lore the sculpt the visuals but then you add these cards on top of that i couldn't have asked for more i really could not have asked for more i am very happy and this was an exciting weekend this was a very exciting weekend even for non-mcp players that are just interested in sculpts We saw some amazing things this weekend. 
We've got more coming. We have a Jean Grey power reveal, a Cassandra Nova power reveal. I'm assuming that Black Cat's going to have a little bit of overlap with Domino, kind of that luck kind of character. The same thing we'll see whenever Longshot enters the game, if Longshot ever enters the game. But yeah, and like I said, the Cassandra Nova, the Jean Grey, that's going to inform what Professor X will look like when and if we get him. Very cool things. Very cool. I am super excited. And what's crazy, Chris, is we know how AMG works. We're going to get more spoilers in the coming weeks and months. So they gave us so much to enjoy. And I honestly be happy for some time, but I know they're going to give us more, you know, I know they're going to give us like Iron Fist card, Luke Cage card, like a lot of things that we just don't know. It's crazy. It's very exciting. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Catch our streams of Marvel Crisis Protocol and other tabletop games at twitch.tv slash Fury's Finest. Good news, guys. There's been a turn for the better in Oklahoma. I'm vaccinated. You know, a lot of our Fury's Finest play group are vaccinated. We're turning a corner. So in the coming months, we will be back to streaming. And things like the Patreon are going to help us do that. So check out the Twitch. Follow us there. Check out the Patreon. Join up. Help us pursue things like streaming follow the show on social media on twitter at fury's finest cast and of course on instagram and facebook at fury's finest email us with any inquiries or questions or anything like that at fury's finest at gmail.com and of course continue to leave us reviews on apple podcasts it really helps us out a lot more than you know so if you can't contribute to the patreon if you can take 30 seconds, go to our page on Apple Podcasts on your Apple device of choice and give us a five-star review. It really helps us out. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music. And please help spread the word of our show. Rate, review, and subscribe. Jesse wasn't lying when he said all those nice things about rating, reviewing, subscribing. It's all a very big help to us. We have a lot more plans than you guys even realize if we can get there and it's going to take all of us to get there and we appreciate anything you can contribute. That's right, Chris. Like even you guys following our social media pages and liking our posts helps a lot because more people get visibility on our page, but also more importantly, get more visibility on Marvel crisis protocol. So every time you like our stuff, follow our pages, it helps. So even if you can't contribute to the Patreon, you can do that. It's awesome. You can find Chris and I on social media. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Jesse Aiken. And I have a Star Wars podcast called The Canon Cantina, all about Star Wars story and lore. Chris, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. That's right. And if you are a MCP content creator, like Omnis Protocol and the many other great content creators out there, give Chris a follow because, you know, as you said, Chris, you're trying to get plugged into the MCP Twitter world. I'm trying. I'm bad at Twitter. I'm getting a little better. Well, to be fair, I've had Twitter for some time and the MCP community on Twitter is a lot quieter than the MCP world on Facebook. And I really do hope the MCP world on Twitter continues to grow, which it is. It's just a lot smaller on Twitter and Instagram than it is on Facebook's. But I think the way we, we build it is we do stuff on 
Twitter and Instagram for MCP because the Facebook group has no problems whatsoever. There's people posting daily. It's very active. So if you're on Twitter or Instagram, make sure to follow Chris and I because we want to get uh, MCP stuff going on that place as well because, you know, I try to post on our Furious Finest Instagram and Twitter as much as I can. But, uh, you know, sometimes the show takes priority. That's just how it goes. We've got limited time. And that's just what happens. It's just what happens. The production, of course, the research, the writing, and everything that goes into making these episodes always comes first. But we would like more time for social media and interactions and streaming and things like that. And the Patreon can hopefully help us do that. So, But most importantly, guys, this has been a fun episode, a fun change of pace. A lot of talk we've got, Chris. I'm, I'm happy we kept the lore at bay because we've got a lo- lot of lore content coming for these characters because we know they're coming to the game 100% now. So Chris and I can start looking into lore on these exciting characters going forward. But, you know. Just thanks for joining us. Thanks for just staying on this hype train with us. This this is an exciting, hopefully quite a while now, Crystal, when this release comes out. And we just really hope you guys enjoyed the journey with us. So once again, thanks for listening. True Believers. Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. 